Welcome back to another episode of Underrated. This is our uh, MLB Draft Special 2022. Uh, so, Bo, as you know, we just wrapped up another MLB Draft. It's been pretty exciting thus far. It has. Two of, two of the biggest names uh, selected have been the sons of former superstars in the MLB, Jackson Holiday and Drew Jones. Oh, yeah. Holiday was the surprise first overall pick with the Orioles, as uh, sports books actually had Brooks Lee and Terramark Johnson as the odds-on favorites throughout the day. Yeah. Uh, after their major losses, you know, they they were dead wrong on the NBA draft, <laughs> dead wrong on the MLB draft. It's kind of you know shocking to see such uh, such big losses twice in a row for uh, you know the the sports books. Yeah. How do you feel about the first round? You know, so as a dinner watching. Uh, you know, I positioned myself perfectly where the television was right above the bar and I was very strategic and, you know, uh, where I sat myself so I could see this clearly. But I honestly, I felt, and I felt this way for a few weeks, I just had a feeling Jackson Holiday was going number one overall. And, it, you know, it's it's so close in my opinion because I've seen the same things you have, right? There, That top five was it was uh you know really interesting to me but i felt like jackson holiday was uh gonna go first overall um obviously like you said son of former mlb star matt holiday i think he's just gonna be much more versatile than his father was he uh has the ability to hit for power and average like dad did but you know congratulations to jackson well deserved you know and uh, yeah absolutely and as you said the whole top five was kind of a a shocker you know uh Kumar Rocker getting uh, selected so early. Wow, that blew me away, man. I I don't know where you had him ranked, but I at best at num I, I couldn't believe he was taken number three. And I've been keeping tabs on Kumar Rocker for a little bit. Um, late first round for me is where I pictured him ending up, possibly early second round. But this was nowhere on my radar whatsoever. And, you know, for our listeners out there who don't know, Rocker just had soldier surgery last fall. Uh, he was actually drafted number 10 by the Mets last year. But due to injury concerns, they didn't offer him a signing bonus, so he came back. He's already signed a contract with the Rangers. This was a couple hours after the he was initially taken. Yeah, he I signed, believe. like, immediately. Yeah, right. So uh, this young man stays healthy. He holds up. Seeing a one-two punch of Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker, at their best, you know, if if I'm the Rangers and Martin Perez can uh, consistently do what he has this this year, historically it hasn't happened, but if he continues to do that and he's able to stay in a Rangers uniform, all of a sudden they got some serious rotation depth, right, Lefty? Yeah, I mean they've got Dane Dunning, who's uh, in his uh, I, I don't know what you want to consider it, sophomore or junior sure. season, yeah, uh, who, who's coming along, definitely has high potential. Uh, Spencer Howard, who they traded for last year, hasn't Spencer looked great, right, yeah. but uh, he definitely has all of the the attributes you look for in a top line starter. So they they could be a serious threat going forward, especially with that uh, bulked up roster with uh, you know Corey Seager and uh, uh, Marcus Simeon. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, Spencer Howard, uh, absolutely. Uh, Glenn Otto is in there. Uh, like I said, you know they've made uh, some good moves here, and we see this come to fruition. They've got a solid rotation, and they've got some room to work with in the bullpen. All of a sudden, so it's absolutely, pretty wild. I don't think anybody would have envisioned them getting the the top two pitchers from that twenty one class. Oh uh, man, it's so crazy. The uh, it was there was there a pick that you absolutely loved? 
in the first round? Um, you know, I thought they were, they were a bunch of uh, solid picks. I think Brooks Lee falling uh, to Minnesota was good for them. Uh-huh. Um, I enjoyed, I, you know, I, I think I texted you. I wasn't super thrilled with the White Sox pick of, you know, a prep prep uh, pitcher Noah Schultz. Right. But, uh, you know, I've come around on it. Uh, he wasn't ranked super highly by many scouts, but, uh, you know, he's only 18. Sure. Six foot nine, has that high spin rate fastball, that three quarters arm slot, everything yeah. you want from a pitcher, um, you know. So obviously he's garnering those uh, Chris Sale comparisons just, just from the arm slot and the size sure. handed to Right off the bat. But, uh, you know, I'm excited to see what happens over the next few seasons. He'll definitely take three or four to develop, but sure. uh, he's, he's got a young high man. ceiling. Yeah, absolutely. I loved Justin Crawford going to the Phillies at 17. Um, again, another. Uh, son of a uh, former major leaguer, he possesses he possesses everything the Phillies need, in my opinion. Elite speed. I think you'll be seeing the same type of numbers on the base paths that his father Carl Crawford put up for nearly a decade in Tampa. Uh, the Phillies right now that's a sad area for their team. I, I think JT Realmoto has uh, uh, is leading the team with twelve steals right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. not that's not who you want to see at the top of that list, right? Well, and, he, and he's having a down year at that. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, and you know, listeners, my friends, my good people, that is horrible. <laughs> so Justin Crawford going to uh, fill a void in Philadelphia. They need some consistency in center field. And if you watch any tape I believe he's got a much better arm than his father's. Uh, his defense is much better than his father's. Smart pick by the Phillies, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, if he could even remotely match the career that, uh, you know, Carl Crawford had, uh, he'll be a supreme pick. You know? For sure. Carl Crawford is, an, is another supremely underrated player, I say. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Agreed. But, uh, you know, I don't know if you caught this earlier today. The other big draft adjacent news comes from uh, MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred. You know, as nearly uh, 1,000 players were just drafted and will be forced to sign away, you know, the next 7 to 15 years of their life with no real recourse in order to play baseball. Many at wages uh, around $500 a week just for the season. Uh, Manfred was quoted today as saying that minor league players are paid a living wage, which is uh, quite the juxtaposition. (laughs) Yeah, this is... Great coming from a guy who makes a, you know, how many times more than, you know, these young athletes. It's, I think that's ridiculous. And I don't know how you can even come out and publicly say that, to be honest. But you got to protect, uh, you know, your yeah, uh, yourself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there, there's really not much to say about it other than that it's, uh, you know, a rejection of reality. Oh, um, sure. You know, players are getting paid $500 a week just for the active season. Um, and in no way is that being paid fairly or a living wage, especially as the owners of organizations are worth billions of dollars. Yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. I mean, there's people out there without, uh, you know, with, with, with college educations that are, are, you know, fighting for more money. You know, it's, it's just, uh, you know, it's tough right now. I, I don't want to talk about inflation, but geez. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough time to say something like that. Absolutely. Um, But, uh, you know, as is our style, uh, we obviously have a few names we want to talk about that win in the later rounds that are underrated. Oh, yeah. So, uh, you know, one player that stands out to me that I wanted to discuss is uh, left-handed pitcher Jackson Humphreys. Uh He was uh, drafted in the eighth round by the Guardians at a high school in Cary, North Carolina. You know, only 17 years old, 
not exactly the prototypical pitcher's build. He's only 6'1", but I think that he could be the steal of the entire draft. Really? Yeah, so so Baseball America had him ranked as the 150th best draft prospect, which is a full 100 spots higher than he was actually drafted. Um, he doesn't have super polished controller command, but those are all things you can learn. But there are a lot of things to love about the pitches he has now. His uh, four-seamer currently topped out around 95, which is admirable at 17. But the, the big thing is that he has uh, a slider that breaks super sharply with just a massive amount of spin. Uh-huh. Now, for the uninitiated, spin rate describes how many rotations per minute the ball makes in its path from the pitcher's hand to the plate. You know, a higher spin rate. Pitch will be perceived by the batter as being faster than its actual velocity, making it more successful in many cases. So the spin rate will also uh, impact, you know, the way that the pitch moves after leaving the pitcher's hands, leading to more swings and misses. Sure. So in the case of Humphrey Slider, he recorded 2,900, 2,900 RPM. The repetitions per minute were among the top five players in the entire draft in all breaking balls, and he's developed that feel at only 17. To contextualize what 2,900 RPM means, the highest average slider RPM in baseball among qualified pitchers is Dylan Cease, and his is 2,850. Impressive. So he's already got a higher, you know, uh, spin rate on that slider than Dylan Cease. And Cease's slider has been one of the most effective pitches in all of baseball this season, causing swings and misses 50% of the time it's thrown. Sure. So Humphreys at 17 can match both the speed and attributes of that pitch. Unbelievable. Like, I, I'm, yeah, I'm just, you know, looking at where he was taken here, obviously round eight. Um, I mean, there was a lot of talk leading up to this about, you know, his stuff, his strikes haven't necessarily been amazing, you know, especially during his senior year. Um, but his fastball, I mean, it usually normally sits, uh, you know, between 93 and 95 miles per hour. Um, like you said, his low, he has a slow, low 80 slider. He's got an upper 70s curveball. Um, you know, a lot of consistency with his heater, especially on, you know, good days. But uh, a lot of trouble landing his breaking pitches uh, for strikes. Um, there is a lot to see, especially when you read off those metrics, Lefty, uh, about what kind of ceiling this kid has. Obviously, a couple years of development changes a player completely. And what I can say about the Guardians is, I don't know if you know, our fans know this, but they have a, they have a great track record uh, exactly. as far as developing young pitchers that are yeah. that fit this exact profile like Jackson Humphreys. And, uh, you know, it, uh, it's impressive. There just seemed to be – there was a lot of North Carolina standout preps, uh, southpaws yeah. especially, man, in the, you know, uh, coming into the draft. Yeah, totally. You know, and as you as you touched upon, if there's a pitching staff that can that can rein in, you know, Humphrey stuff and develop, you know, top level talent, it's that Cleveland staff. You know, he needs some work, obviously, in terms of like his pitch location, the repeatability of his, uh, you know, of his uh, the structure of his pitching, some refinement on that curveball is needed, a few other small tweaks. But again, uh, he's got the raw stuff to be yeah. a top-line talent, and he's in an organization that knows how to develop that. And, you know, I absolutely love the pick. 
And, uh, you know, he has all the skills and tools necessary to be the, the next ace in Cleveland. Definitely agree. Yeah. Um, like I said, you know, uh, it's so these are common. These are these are common issues you see. And I don't want to necessarily call them flaws, but areas of improvement that you see with these, you know, seniors in high school. You know, these yeah, these these yeah. prep pitchers. This is normal stuff here. The what you look at as a scout is just the original blueprint like what groundwork has already been laid here the foundation absolutely has a great foundation here yeah i guess the big the big question will be whether he is uh you know whether they're able to sign him pull him away from uh, his you know campbell university commitment uh sure. so that'll be a big thing to watch uh that might have been why he fell so far as you know or organizations weren't quite sure that uh you know, they'd be able to pull him away from that commitment. But, uh, you know, I think, as I said, he's got all the skills and tools necessary to be the next ace in Cleveland. Definitely. And I hope I hope it does happen. We'll be rooting for Jackson Humphreys. He'll definitely be on the radar. Absolutely. Uh, any underrated players for you? Yeah. Earlier I touched on the Rangers and their selection of Kumar Rocker. I, I expressed my enthusiasm. If he's able to stay healthy and develop, he's going to be an exciting player to watch. Like I said, you know, pair that up with Jack Leiter. Um, that's a pretty solid, you know, one-two. But the Rangers didn't stop there. They they took the player I want to chat about today at 109th overall in the fourth round. And this, this kid was high on my list. So let's talk about Michigan prep right-hander Brock Porter. Uh, like I said, I had him ranked pretty high. There's some variables here that probably came into play and probably explain why he was still on the board for as long as he was. But before we jump into that, let's talk some history. Brock's only 19 years old. He won three Michigan State titles in three seasons, two division crowns, and a D1 championship. Part of a 44-0 team in, in 2022. He was the Gatorade State Player of the Year in 2021, which was a absolutely statistically mind-blowing season he went 9-0 with a 0.41 era that's right 0.41 era uh, accompanied by 150 strikeouts in 58 innings and he threw he threw three no hitters so it's just uh unreal uh, mind-blowing i the the statistics are crazy so leading up to last night i had heard numerous people say he had the best fastball out of every high school pitcher in the draft, um, which you know, you know how the draft goes, right? I mean, everyone talks about, oh, you know, the, one of the best college players, one of the best college players, one of the best prep players. Everybody's the best college or prep player, but um, his fastball usually sits between 94 and 97 miles per hour. He tops out though at 100 numerous times per appearance. Um, but his secret weapon here is his changeup. Again, if you heard anything in relation to Porter leading up to the draft, you would have heard about this. He's got great velocity separation in the low 80s and both some serious horizontal action on this pitch. His slider and curveball are solid, but those are the, the areas of improvement, just like we talked about with Jackson Humphreys. Uh, they just need a little refinement, uh, but this is a, a, he's a high-octane pitcher. He's, he's already had a platform to perform on, too, in the spotlight. Um, he pitched at Comerica Field earlier this year during the Michigan Catholic League semifinals where he struck out 16 batters 
in in one of his no hitters I mentioned earlier. So I I understand when an organization is scared to take a player in fear of not being able to sign. You know, Porter was committed to Clemson, but all the hype leading up to this draft had his name in the mix with two other Michigan prep players. You know, your favorite Derek Jeter and uh, Steve Avery, some some <laughs> famous uh, you know Michigan uh, MLB you know players. Absolutely. So, I, I yeah. also want to I also want to add that back in April, he threw a no hitter and struck out eleven batters with just forty seven pitches. So like do the math real quick, Lefty. He was averaging less than nine pitches per inning that day. Now the game only lasted six innings due to a ten zero mercy, but he was absolutely just dealing that day. Yet again, like he has several times through his career. Yeah, that's so, just insane efficiency. Um, yeah, it's, it is shocking. You know, everybody had him as a pretty much a consensus top 15. Most people had him as a top 10 talent in the draft. So to see him fall that far is uh, pretty surprising. Uh, it makes me wonder again if uh, maybe signing issues will be a problem. Maybe he's going to honor that commitment, uh, you know, in college. But uh, I know a lot of people liked the Tigers picking him, you know, as a top 10 pick. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, He did sign. Uh, officially with the Rangers, so he oh, is locked he? in. He did. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. It. You know. I don't know if you noticed this, but it also in the first round, it seemed like that every player had just come off Tommy John surgery. I, I'm not sure what the deal was. That it just. I mean, there had to be at least ten players who have just come off Tommy John surgery, but um, he has no injury history. Now you continue to help this young man refine and polish, just as we talked about with Humphreys. Polish these pitches. He's 6'4. He's 205. You know, he adds a little bit of power. He's even more intimidating on the mound than he has been. So, if the Rangers do this the right way in the very near future, we can see a Jack Leiter, Kumar Rocker, Brock Porter starting rotation along with Dade Dunning and, you know, who Spencer Howard, who whoever ends up being a factor into this rotation and they've got bullpen def now all of a sudden i mean they had to forfeit their second and third round picks because they signed Corey seager and marcus Semyon. um so they took kumar rocker and then they took brock porter but uh yeah you know uh like i said if they're, they're able to figure it out with glenn otto and spencer howard's mechanics you've got a top-notch pitching staff here with some room to play with I think Brock Porter is a key pickup in this draft in general, uh, and I, I can't wait to see what happens, Lefty. Yeah, it'll be it'll be an interesting thing to watch. Uh, they they could have a, a really solid lineup going forward. Um, you know, uh, there are a couple other folks I want to talk about. Uh, sure. No, nobody as in depth, but uh, one player that I found very intriguing uh, was Brad Cumbest. I don't know if you're familiar. You know, he only uh, he only had like 12 receiving yards and one touchdown uh, last season with Mississippi State. Uh, <laughs> very, very nice. Very nice. But uh, that tight end turned outfielder is uh, bursting with potential. <laughs> Man, I uh, I recall seeing um, some replays of what I thought was a Mississippi State football player. Uh Big guy, isn't he? Right? He's, yeah, he's yeah. A, he's six, a good six, size guy, right? Yeah. Six six, two thirty five. You know, uh, the Rockies drafted him in the ninth round, uh, and if they're willing to put in the time uh, to help him develop, uh-huh. he, he's got just an insane amount of potential. You know, he's relatively new to baseball, 
very raw around the edges, but uh, has, you know, elite bat speed and uh, plus plus raw power. Uh, everything you, you want in a corner outfielder, um, you know, and, and lots of people kind of discredit him because he's so new to the sport and because, you know, very rough around the edges. Sure. But uh, and while it's not a perfect comparison, he does remind me in that way of Tim Anderson, also a, a player who was drafted after, you know, coming to baseball pretty late. Sure. There were massive questions about whether he could ever, ever develop the bat control plate discipline. Uh, you know, needed to be a major league regular, and you know he put in a lot of work. But uh, you know, Tim Anderson won a batting title. Wow. That, that's not likely for Cumbest, but uh, you know. If you put in the work, the teams are patient with you in terms of that development. Uh, you know, those skills do come around, even though it might be a little later than other draft picks. Uh, yeah. It's not likely that he wins a batting title, but I think he has a real shot to be a power bat at the MLB level, even if it comes a bit later than many others. You know, 6'6", 235, top raw power in the draft, allegedly, maybe. Um, you know, <laughs> He could be a monster at Coors Field. Sure, definitely uh, hitting in that ballpark. If you if you if you have the strength and you've got the power, you've got the bat speed. Um, it's it's going to happen, right? We've seen it. We've seen we've seen CJ Crone this year. You yeah, know, we've seen Stranger Things, right? So absolutely. I mean, <laughs> Anything else from the draft kind of stand out to you? You know. Um, I, like I said, g- kind of going back to the to the first round a little bit, um, you know, I I wasn't surprised by the other than Kumar Rocker, I wasn't surprised by the rest of the uh, the, the the top five picks in the first round. I thought that was pretty. Um, I thought it was pretty, you know, uh, by the book to be honest. There, just in no particular order, I guess I could say, but. Uh, um, Tamar Johnson. I just want to talk about Tamar Johnson. What yeah. are your thoughts on a, a good comparison to what you think Tamar Johnson can do as far as his his, his skill set? Because I really like this young man, and I think that he's going to be an electric player. But you know, I just want to kind of get your 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 thoughts on this. You know, he uh, he's pretty small. Uh, I think that he's. Well, like two inches shorter than Jose Altuve. Um, uh, yeah, he's like five ten, I think. I mean, he's yeah, he's he's not a big guy. I I think uh, I think that's a generous estimation. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, you know, I think that he has all the potential in terms of hitting a defense to be a top line, you know, second baseman. Um, I whether that develops, you know. That's always the asterisk next to draft picks, but he definitely sure. has everything needed to to take that turn, and he could be that next prototypical like power second baseman that uh, you know is so hard and rare to come by. Yeah, definitely. Um, I I want to see how he develops. I I'm not sure. Uh, he's got the skill set, that's for sure. But uh, would love to you know see what he actually turns into. Um, the Angels uh, took a pitcher, uh, Ben Joyce. I don't know if you uh, are familiar at all with uh, Ben Joyce, uh, right-handed pitcher out of Tennessee. But um, he went way beyond triple digits and was pitching at 
between 100 and 105 miles per hour out of the Volunteers' bullpen this season. He has a yeah, mid-80s he, slider. He's, I mean, he, which it might be a better swing and miss pitch, but it's the velocity um, from the six foot five reliever that's really been impressive. Yeah, yeah. So he's got a huge fastball. You know, um, probably the biggest in the draft. Um, I'm always hesitant uh, when I see, uh, you know, teams draft college relievers. Uh-huh. Um, it's a pretty limited skill set. There's very little. You know, the ceiling is low on that. Sure. Um, and, you know, they don't often work out. There's not a strong track record in the past 20 years of, you know, established relievers getting drafted and then becoming successful major leaguers. Yeah. Um, from what I've read, it's a pretty difficult transition. Um, you know, when you're a college reliever, you typically pitch much more frequently and uh, or much less frequently, I should say. So having to adjust to the, the, the rigor of relieving at the, the professional level where your schedule is a lot more uh, robust, it can be a, a huge jump and, and one that a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of college and prep relievers are not able to make. Right. You know, he's also got some injury history, too. And, you know, therefore short on actual pitching experience. I mean, I, I would be surprised if, you know, he's he's pitched 100 innings in his entire life, you know. So, I mean, that, like you said, is, a, is the track record scary for a major league team. But it's scary also if you don't pay attention to him as well in, in some way, shape or form. Um I, yeah, I'd, I, I, again, I, I agree. I thought this was an interesting pick. He's a huge frame. I mean, he's a physical specimen out there and uh, played for a great team, obviously. So um, he only made 27 appearances um, this past season, you know, um, including he did have one start, but uh, he struck out 53 batters in 32 and a third. Uh, he had a 2.23 ERA. But again, he also walked 14 batters. Uh, he hit three of them, and <laughs> he threw eight wild pitches. So this is there's a lot happening here, right? Yeah, there's yeah, a know, lot happening here. When you've got that kind of just dominant speed, uh, it's pretty difficult to rein it in. Um, and you know, we see that all the time. Uh, the 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 hardest throwing pitchers aren't always the most accurate. Um, and you know, we follow suit in that regard. Sure. I like we had talked about though with the Guardians. This is an organization that has a history of developing pitchers and being able to, you know, sculpt pitchers into what they need to become. The Angels don't have that history. I, no, I'm not sure no, what they were. What they were <laughs> I'm not sure what they believe that they can do. Obviously, there's a quite a few tools that this that this kid has, but I'm not sure if the angels are the organization that's going to know what the heck to do with it. So I'm, yeah, I'm not sure, uh, how I feel about this pick. I, I, I don't think it's a good move for them and it's, uh, you know, um, he's, he's got a lot of potential, but, uh, he also has the potential to be, you know, not at the major league level. <laughs> yeah. Especially for a pick that early, a third round pick on a reliever. Um, yeah. You know, e- even if even if pitchers like that typically reach the major leagues at a, you know, when when they're top level, they can reach the major leagues a lot faster than, um, you know, a lot of other positions. 
it's just such a waste of such a high pick, in my personal opinion. Yeah, and you know, I, I don't know what's going on with the Angels. We've talked about it personally before. It's not like they're not trying, but they've never been able to just put it together. I mean, they, in you know, their their 118th pick overall was another high velocity reliever, Jake Madden, out of uh, you know uh, Northwest Florida State uh, Junior College. I mean, he can throw 98 miles per hour, and he can break bats, but he just came off Tommy John surgery. Um, he's co- had constant issues with blisters i mean this kid i mean he was he he missed substantial time with blisters but again he's six foot six he's got a good frame it's just he's got command issues they took two carbon copies you know and with the same issues so i again i don't know um what they can do with with these two guys but uh yeah so there there are different philosophies when it comes to drafting uh some of them are better than others um you know most teams would probably draft the best players available available or at least the best players available that um you know fit their scheme or their developmental strengths sure um it seems to me like the angels are following a different path and that they're drafting players to fill the needs in their current roster, which is very, very weird and uh, not something that works. <laughs> right, exactly. It's just hard to say. There was a when you were talking about the Rockies, the Rockies, uh, 146 overall. Um, Connor Stain is a right-handed pitcher out of Central Florida. He was on the board. He was a transfer from Maryland, but this guy didn't allow an earned run until mid-April. And finished with a 1.87 ERA. He had 51 strikeouts in 43 innings in his in his first season with Central Florida. Um, he's got a mid 90s fastball, and um, he's got a decent slider, great changeup. But um, again, you know, there's a pitcher there. Well, they've, their starting pitching has continued to struggle. You know, over uh, how many years? You know, and here they are. They're 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 picking up relievers. I, obviously, they need those too, but. I, there's so many uh, holes to fill and, yeah, for yeah. that well, team. And it. the thing is, you know, a player who is a starting pitcher can be transitioned into a reliever role very easily. Sure. Obviously, there are adjustments to make, you know, mentally and physically, but you can't do that very easily with a reliever. If a guy's thrown 30 innings a year, trying to stretch them out to 220 just doesn't work. It doesn't, and it never turns, it, you know, it rarely not never. It rarely turns out um, good. It just it just doesn't. I mean, take a look yeah. at it. Well, and and we should say almost never. I mean, I can't think of any examples of that working in which a a reliever who was drafted as a reliever has worked as a reliever has been you know transformed into a starter. Right. Um, obviously, there are starters turned relievers who have turned back sure. into successful starters. But sure. It, it 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 just doesn't work the other way around. Right. And if there has been success, again, nobody's standing out at the top of my head, but, you know, it, it, I'm, I'm sure it's very short-lived, right? I mean, yeah. I, just, I just don't see that being sustainable for someone who's, you know, pitched an inning, the, you know, per appearance, the majority of their, their life. Yeah, <laughs> so. throwing, throwing one inning every, you know, Saturday night for a year. Right, um, right. Just, it, it's not a recipe for success. Um but uh hey they get paid more than i do 
<laughs> definitely, definitely. So, well, listen, we have the actual All Star game tonight. Be uh, before we jump into that, I guess I probably have to issue a public apology to Albert Pujols. On our last episode, I said things like, "I was scared for his health." I said things like, "He wouldn't compete." Um, I said things like, "He didn't bring any value." to this home run derby and um i i actually meant to say kyle schwarber instead but i said albert <laughs> pools and i apologize there was a mix-up but no really i all i wanted to say was that albert um he did a fine job in that in that first round he he whooped up on kyle schwarber and uh all it all it took was a little bit of extra time that's uh, it maybe that's miscounting it. the number of home runs yeah yeah juan soto though you know, obviously the winner just edging out J-Rod, which two electric players here. What do you? What is your take on the whole Juan Soto saga right now, man? You know, I, I it's it's difficult. I feel bad for him to be at the center of this. Uh, you know, he's obviously a generational talent, probably going to go down as one of the the best hitters of all time. And he's in a rough situation. Uh, I don't believe that uh, there's any way that the Nationals can recoup the value they think they should get from him. Uh, the amount of you know just prospect capital it would take to acquire him uh, in a meaningful way uh, is just not going to happen. Right. Uh, so. I don't know what their best route is. Maybe it's to wait a few years to trade him right, you know, on his last year of his contract. Maybe it's just to, you know, actually try to put together a competitive team. Sure. Um, <laughs> but uh, either way, um, it's either wait for that qualifying offer that he'll reject or, you know, try to trade him for less than he's worth. Yeah, Their backs are against the wall. The options are limited. I don't know that there is another MLB team, like you said, that has the assets that they would be willing to give up in order to actually land Soto in a trade. I just, I can't foresee that happening, you know, and uh, to, to wipe out your, your organization, you know, for yeah. one player. That's yeah. very, very tough. Yeah, you know? it's, it's odd to me um, that they have just jumped immediately to trying to trade him as if there's not value inherently in you know, trying to compete while you have one of the best players in the world. Um, You know, if they're willing to spend $400 million on him, beef up the lineup instead of trying to tank, and uh, they'd probably see better returns and they could offer him more money because they might win another, uh, you know, championship. The last time they let let a bonafide all-star walk, they they won a World Series the following season. So, and Bryce Harper. All all it took was, you know, uh, Juan Soto. (laughs) Right, all it took was Juan Soto, Anthony Rendon, uh, Max Scherzer, I mean, just to name a few. Strasburg uh, actually playing. Strasburg actually playing. You know, that's another guy, wow. You know, when he's out there and he's healthy, lights out, right? Just just, just having him out there. You know, I remember watching his MLB debut, and uh, it was nationally televised, and it was insane. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, he gave up a few runs, if I remember. He didn't go all that deep. But, like, you could see that he had just dominant stuff. And he oh, yeah. struck out a number of batters. I, I wasn't really familiar with the Washington fan base. You know, everybody in that 
you know, crowd always look like they should have a wine glass in their hand, like you were actually bothering them. But Strasbourg's appearance, they were just, the energy, was, it was electric. It was, it was, you know, uncomparable to, you know, a lot of other debuts, I'll tell you that. Yeah, well, I mean, it was the first, uh, you know, big name talent they had there since the, you know, move of the, the franchise. Right. Uh, you know, I guess that you could probably consider Ryan Zimmerman a top prospect uh, with some hype. But not sure. not in the same way. He was not a consensus number one overall, uh, you know, prospect. No, not at all. Not not even close. And I, uh, I'm curious to see what the Nationals are going to do here. This is a, you know, it's tough for Soto, um, and it's the organization, you know, is, is backed into a corner as well. I, I I don't know which direction they go. I'm, I mean, they backed themselves into the corner. Oh, that's totally their fault, 100%. You know, I, I have no uh, empathy as far as that goes. But, uh, yeah, I, I'll be curious to see what they do. Yeah. Um, well, that's about all we've got today. Uh, thanks for chatting about the uh, MLB draft with me, Bo. Um, listeners, uh, if you've got any thoughts about the draft, uh, you can hit us up on Twitter, at UnderratedPod. That's at under underscore rated underscore pod on twitter and you can find this episode in all episodes spotify apple podcast or wherever podcasts can be found definitely let us know what you think of the uh, the actual all-star game tonight and we'll see you back here on our next episode thanks for tuning in